Do you feel like you're hearing the term narcissism a little bit more lately? Like when somebody is trying to describe someone they don't like very much, somebody that might be acting in a controlling or rigid way. Well, I think it's important that we understand what narcissism really is. And my guest today, Taylor Damiani, is going to help us with that. And she's also going to talk to us about what it's like to be in a relationship with a narcissist, specifically a narcissistic parent, because we are people pleasers and perfectionists here. And let me tell you, that is one of the main coping strategies that comes from being in a relationship with a parent who exhibits these traits, we'll say. So I'm really excited for you to join in on this conversation. And I honestly love that Taylor gives us the permission to shift our attention to ourselves because mm, I know so many folks get so caught up in trying to understand the confusing and hurtful behaviors of a person with narcissism. And it's time to take our attention back, folks. So... Taylor and I really resonated with each other and our histories, and I think that you will feel seen and heard after you listen as well. So, all right, here we go. Let's get into it with Taylor Damiani. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Hey, y'all. So welcome to Power to the Pleasers. We are here with a guest. And as always, I've kidded about this before hosting. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to have this person here. And truly, I am. So (laughs) (laughs) we have Taylor Damiani. Yes. Yes. And um, she has a PhD, she's a therapist, she's a coach. She was gracious enough to get up um, super, super early because she's hanging out in Hawaii and do this. And so, yeah, so Taylor is someone who I stalked on Instagram. And just so you know, good connections can happen when you stalk someone on Instagram if you still (laughs) have integrity (laughs) when you do it. (laughs) And um, she specializes in helping adult children of narcissistic parents. And I was like, oh, honey, that is right in, oh my God, right in the crosshairs for me. And so many of the people that I work with and I talk to as people pleasers and perfectionists. So, um, I asked her if she wanted to be on a podcast and she said, yes. So Taylor, hi, welcome. Hi, Vicki. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad that you connected on Instagram and yes, are showing that authentic connection can happen on yes. social media. Yes. I, um, I dropped her a DM and whatever I slid into her DMs. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> so whatever we're here and <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, Yes. So I want to just 
you know, I don't like really go over formal bios, but, you know, for just a second, like Reader's Digest, like top, you know, top hits for our folks. Can you just (laughs) introduce yourself so that we know where you're coming from? And then we'll get all that information about how to get in touch with you at the end of the show. Absolutely. So yeah, you already covered it. I'm a licensed psychologist and a coach and I work with adult children of narcissistic parents. And I myself also identify as an adult child of a narcissistic parent. And um, I absolutely love this work. I love this population. I just find it incredibly rewarding. And, um, you know, I've, I've lived this, I I've walked this mm-hmm. path. And so I'm passionate about helping other people along in their journeys. So here mm-hmm. I am. Yep. Same, same. I have talked before about how my mom was a good codependent for my dad who was a workaholic. And so I got like that people pleasing perfectionism thing. Like it was just, it's in the it's in my DNA and it was around, you know, nature, nurture, like check, check. So like some of this was really, um, following you and listening to what you put out there was really like validating for me, even with, you know, the years of self-help work I have done. Um, it's still nice to have somebody just acknowledge that some of this stuff really impacts us for life. So 100%. Um, yeah. So you I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's nice to have like a fellow comrade. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. We're not alone. And yeah, it's, it's good to know that because growing up can feel so isolating. Yes. Yeah. So you're starting this and this um, was kind of one of the, the first things I wanted to talk to you about because I had made an assumption that you were probably um, an adult children child of of someone in the in your family um, having narcissistic traits. And so, can you tell us so that we're now not assuming like what led you to decide to focusing on working with folks that are moving through these challenges with narcissistic parents? Yeah, I think you know in the, in my work with my clients. I just found that the ones that I lit up and just felt so in flow with were the ones that struggled with a lot of the things that I struggled with and Mm -hmm. who struggled with codependency and people pleasing and perfectionism and wanting Mm -hmm. to help and give and fix and caretake and peacekeep for everyone else, but could not do that for themselves. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, who loved their people in their lives and loved their families so deeply, but struggled with setting boundaries with those same people. Right. Um, and then once I started, you know, digging more deeply into it and learning more and, um, you know, I, cause I started my own healing journey in 2014. And so that's when I came to have the language for, um, narcissism and what was happening and, you know, being Mm -hmm. an adult child of a narcissist, then all the puzzle pieces starting, started being put together, at least for my own life. But also I started seeing a lot of my clients from that lens. And a lot, most of my clients were folks who struggled with a toxic family dynamic. And that's just something that I'm so drawn to and and just love working with. So, Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, when I started private practice um, last year, I, it, without hesitation, I just knew that this was the work that I was going <laughs> to do. <laughs> it just made sense. Yeah, I agree with you. When you get the flow with a client and that person feels it too, right? You That person feels understood by you. And when you're talking about finding the language, there really is like, I, I, heard as a grad student and as an early, um, you know, gaining clinical hours therapist that, hey, you don't have to have the experience that every one of your clients has had so that you can, you know, connect with them. It's the relationship that you have with another person. And that is so true. And what I found is what you're talking about is when you do have the language and you just have this general common foundation between the two of you um, that like the reason I started hanging out with people, pleasers and perfectionists that, you know, in my office is because they got better and they left. And I was like, what is happening? You know, <laughs> uh, like these people are like coming in and they're having celebrations instead of having, you know, mm. one after the other, you know, days of like, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. And so I was sort of like, that's the goal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Work ourselves out of a job. <laughs> yes. So I follow you on that. Um, okay. So because we've both been through, you know, grad and you've been through um, a doctorate program and we kind of understand what this um this category, this diagnosis, if you will, is of narcissism. But I think, at least I didn't realize it until I started learning about it and had kind of a label to put to what one of my caregivers was actually demonstrating in our, you know, in our relationship. Can you help us understand that narcissists are not just controlling people that just want to have things go their way? Like, help us get a little bit more of a a, a take on um when you talk about narcissists, what, what does that mean? What does that look like typically? Yeah, that's such a great question because, uh, you know, as you, you mentioned earlier, narcissism is definitely growing in public awareness and in society. And that term is getting thrown around a lot. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, (laughs) just because someone might have certain tendencies or controlling tendencies, or maybe they're selfish here and there, doesn't necessarily make them a narcissist. So we can conceptualize narcissism as existing on a spectrum. And so on one end of the extreme, we have NPD or narcissistic personality disorder, Mm -hmm. which is when someone meets full criteria for the disorder as defined by the DSM. And, you know, the DSM defines personality disorders as a disorder that's pervasive and persistent across time and context. Yes. Um, and we could go into, you know, all the criteria for narcissism, but I won't do that right now. And then on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you have, you know, perhaps you have a a narcissistic trait such as selfishness or, you know, controlling Mm -hmm. and all may have narcissistic traits to some degree and in certain contexts, but that doesn't mean that we are a narcissist narcissism and, and any personality disorder for that matter is a cluster of symptoms that are, like I said, persistent and pervasive across time and context. So, you know, someone can have personality disordered traits without having a full-blown personality disorder. 
And regardless, I try not to get too caught up in the terminology of narcissism, at least with my clients. I I try Mm -hmm. to focus more on how they were impacted, how their parents' behavior is impacting their lives and how they're understanding that. And yes, we'll talk a little bit about their parent, but um, especially with narcissism, it's so easy to get caught up in, well, are they a narcissist? Are they not? You know, we can spend years getting caught up in that, that phase of reading and researching and and Googling and trying to understand what is this person a narcissist or are they not? And doing that to a certain extent can be helpful. I get it. I've been there, mm-hmm. but then also I feel like there's a certain point where it can be more helpful and beneficial to our healing, to focus on ourselves right, and our own healing journey instead of the narcissist and what's going on with them. Because regardless of what label we put on them, is their behavior okay? Yes, right. You know, (laughs) and if you're Googling their behavior, that's probably a red flag that something's not right. (laughs) Right, right. And I totally agree with you because it is the impact that brings the person in to see you or see me and talk about like, how do I stay in this relationship or how do I heal from this relationship? Or I've had to put up this boundary where I'm now estranged from the, this parent because it's so difficult to be in the relationship. And so they're the person that has said, I'm here, I'm sitting in the office, I'm ready to do the work. And so that's who we focus on. But it is nice to have the reference point or the um, kind of like the little bit of learning so that you know what you're working with, right? It can be nice to have that, not that I like to use this word, but that label, because it then it's like going into a doctor going like, I don't know why my knee hurts. I don't know. And then finally they're like, oh, you tore your ACL or whatever. To have the ability to put two and two together just kind of is like, all right, now I know what I'm doing and who I'm dealing with. I 100% agree with that. Personally, that was what was helpful for me was it it was like a light bulb moment. My my mind was blown and I think that could be super empowering. So, Mm -hmm. so yes, I, I completely agree with you that having the label or the language or the definition of what narcissism is can be so validating to our childhood and our life. Right. Somebody is explaining to us what, as we were both saying earlier, we might've thought we were the only ones going through and it's like, oh yeah, like that was actually a personality trait or quality or characteristic. And we were interacting with those particular characteristics of that person. And that's why it was difficult. And that's kind of why I am still trying to never make a mistake or whatever, right? Because I put it under kind of having a critical parent. So I don't know what you think about critical parent and working with your folks, but is there anything that you can say about like, you know, is that something that you end up working with is kind of like the person that has had a critical parent and maybe even then adopted that person internally to be their own inner critic too? Yeah. We talk about that a lot. And, you know, if you grew up where your parent or caregiver was critical or invalidating or nothing was ever good enough for them. Right. And you were just constantly striving for their love or their affection or to be seen as worthy. And yeah, you may have developed, you know, these characteristics of people pleasing and perfectionism, which were adaptive coping skills. 
Right. You know, that helps you navigate your environment early on. Now, as an adult, you may realize that these behaviors aren't as helpful or don't help you live a fulfilling life and don't help you to become the person that you want to become. But the beauty is, you know, as I talk with my clients, the beauty of this is that you we can unlearn and we can deprogram from our conditioning and we can learn new ways of being in the world. Just like you picked up these coping skills, you can pick up new ones. It's just going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why I like your stuff. And I wanted to have a conversation with you because I want to know, I know everybody's, you know, an individual and they have specific situations that they come in with or get stuck on. But what are some of those ways that you help people um, deprogram or unlearn the coping strategies that they no longer need? So first we do a lot of exploring about the reasons for their behavior. Like if we're talking about people pleasing, you know, we just start to get curious about it. What do you gain from people pleasing? Because we wouldn't Mm -hmm. engage in a certain behavior if it wasn't beneficial to us. So you probably grew up getting a lot out of people pleasing. It probably, you know, got you a lot of places. So we explore the reasons for that, you know, so we might explore their approval seeking behavior. We might explore their fear of abandonment because we know that narcissistic parents can be unpredictable and emotionally unavailable. And you may have internalized that fear of abandonment or, you know, if they don't meet others' demands or others' needs or make themselves indispensable, then they might be rejected or abandoned if they're not being useful or productive. We talk about conditioning of guilt and shame and how Mm -hmm. those messages are internalized and, you know, if you grow up with a parent who, where nothing is ever good enough for them, then you as a child may feel like you are not good enough. And so, you know, people pleasing as a behavior becomes a way to alleviate that guilt and that Mm -hmm. shame by constantly prioritizing others' needs above their own. We talk a lot about, you know, role reversal and and parentification and, you know, if you're parentified, typically, you know, children who are parentified are are children who grew up in a family system where the, the parent or the caregiver is unable to, for whatever reason, due to their own mental health issues, maybe substance abuse or narcissism, for example, Mm-hmm. The, the parent is unable to provide adequate care and attention to the child because they're struggling to take care of themselves even. And so mm-hmm. the child steps into the parent role and cares for the parent, either their physical or their emotional needs, maybe both, mm-hmm. and learns that their worth is in caretaking for other people. Right. You know, so a lot of my clients have learned self-abandonment and twisting themselves into pretzels and their only sense of worth comes from pleasing and taking care of other people. And then another thing we, you know, we might talk about or explore is that, that fear of conflict. Um, Oh yes. And, you know, fear of disappointing or, you know, you have grown up in a family environment where you couldn't make any waves. You didn't Mm want to rock the boat because you were fearful of your parents' reaction What's going to happen? What's around the corner? Are you going to be met Mm -hmm. with, you know, narcissistic rage or anger? What are you going to be met with? If you grow up in an unpredictable environment, then you might do everything that you can to keep yourself small and perfect. Right. So as to not upset your caregiver. 
And then ultimately what happens is you grow up into an adult where you don't know what your needs are. Right. You don't Amazing. Know what needs. Yeah, it truly is. And, but there's a reason for it. You don't know what your needs are because you have spent your childhood constantly scanning the horizon for any threats <laughs> of danger, hypervigilant to everyone else's needs, putting your own needs on the back burner. So with my clients, a lot of our work is finding out who you are. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Because you have probably grown up with a, just a loss of sense of self, not even knowing who you are right? because it wasn't safe. You didn't have the time. You know, The behavior of finding out who you are wasn't reinforced by your parents. What was right. reinforced by your parents or caregiver was you tend to everyone else's needs. You tend to my needs, right? whether that was explicit or an implicit message. So we work on, you know, finding out who you are, the rebirthing process. Maybe you, you don't even know who you were to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, so how can we find, find that out? That might mean moving through codependency, setting boundaries, moving through people pleasing and perfectionism. Who are you underneath those masks? Right. Who is the true you? And it's interesting because, I mean, I say it's amazing that we don't know ourselves, but it truly is a programming where we might not know the kind of clothes that we want to wear because we might have had one of our caregivers shame us, embarrass us, humiliate us, whatever, when we chose something and we walk downstairs to get, you know, get ready to grab our backpack and go out to school and they make a comment like, you're wearing that. Or what the hell do you have on? I mean, like, and it can just be one comment. I was just reading something actually last night about the nervous system, of course, because it's one of my favorite <laughs> my favorite things to read late at night in bed. Um, uh, like you do. Yeah. Right. Like you do. It was something that I had heard before and you've probably heard it too about communication and how, you know, like a certain percentage and it might be so small, like. is actually the words we use, but then it's the tone and it's the gesture and it's the facial expression and all that kind of stuff. And so that kind of comment not only can create shame because it's coming from, you know, a really charged, important person in your life who might have a sharp tone of voice, but then it creates self-doubt. And so then you just start going, you know what, to avoid self-doubt, I think I'm just going to figure out what this person likes me to wear and I'm going to start wearing that. And then that happens for however long you're, you know, sort of in relationship closely with that person. And then finally, somebody's like, oh, hey, you want to go shopping with me? And you're like, yeah, that's fine. And then they're like, do you like this? Like just a random question. And you're like (laughs) paralyzed. (laughs) Yes. Is it okay for me to say I do or I don't, or do I like the color blue or is it, you know, Navy that I'm supposed to, I mean, like what, it's just so cool. Like how you start to just see there's so much in the world that I haven't really poked my finger in, you know, and gone, do I like this or not? Yes or no. I I mean, I love that. It's fascinating. I love the way you're framing it. It is. It's amazing. It's fascinating. It's like a whole world is opening up to us that we never had access to, you know, as simple as what color do I like to wear (laughs) to, you know, (laughs) what salad dressing do I like to, 
what are my core values? What <laughs> is my purpose? What, who, who do I want to be in this life? Like, you know, it, it ranges know. the spectrum, but it starts out with the simple, simple, you know, I'm yes. quoting air quotes. Um, what do I like and dislike? Like that's mm-hmm. all part of getting to know ourselves, which mm-hmm. we didn't do before. So it's, it's a, it's a process of getting to know and meeting ourselves again yeah. or for the first time even. Yeah. I I remember talking to a client and we were like, you know, where do you like to go shopping? <laughs> or just like, where would you imagine you would like to go shopping? And so she came up with home goods. And so we were like, fabulous. And <laughs> we were just laughing about like throw pillows. Right. And <laughs> her assignment was to go to home goods because they have, I don't know if you have home goods where you are. We but, do. Okay. A shit ton of throw pillows, right? <laughs> and so I was like, I want you to go in and just take a screenshot of like five pillows you like, right? I love it. And so then we just kind of talked about it. Like, why do you like this? And she was like, well, it's sort of like this Aztec print. And I'm like, is that because that's in right now? And you've seen it a lot because that's fine. That's what marketing is about. <laughs> Mm. or is that because of X, Y, and Z? And so it was like, we filtered out, you know, to the one that she would have bought, right. From like five to, or however many she picked out. And it was just fun. It was like, we could do this, right. We can do this experimentation where the bar is so low, but we're, we're unlearning, looking through my parents' eyes about what I should choose so that I don't get hijacked in my nervous system. We're relearning. Like, this is how I work. That is such a powerful intervention. I love that. It gets down to what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Everything off the table. Everyone mm-hmm. else's opinion off the table. What do you want? And I love that you asked that question about, like, why do you like this? Is it because <laughs> of the marketing? And yeah, none of us come out unscathed with marketing. But- <laughs> But yeah, what a, what a great intervention that was. And it was fun, right? So like sometimes yeah. that's what I imagine when you talk about unlearning or deprogramming, like, yeah. yeah, we're starting on that continuum of the small and then kind of laughing, you know, to like, <laughs> what are your core values? It's like, you can't necessarily <laughs> jump right into that, Yeah, yeah. but you do get there. I You get there. Yeah. It's, it's a journey. It's a process. It took us a while to get to this point. It's going to take a while for us to move through it, but you got to mm-hmm. start with the throw pillows. Right. So what are some of the things that you've like completely lost your shit celebrating with your clients about? (laughs) Let's hear some of the things that they've come up with as they've done this work with you. Like what's, um, I think, okay. So some of the stuff, okay. So I've celebrated like internally and then I'll talk about like what I've celebrated, you know, with my client. One of them is being able to come to acceptance that their parent is a narcissist. The acceptance, like we talk a lot about radical acceptance because I think so many of my clients are stuck in, you know, understandably so stuck in that hope of hoping that their parent will change or hoping that things will be different. Mm And of course we all hope, you know, hope doesn't die. We have hope at age five, 15 to 65 and 85. But sometimes letting go of that hope and coming to acceptance and being faced with that reality is 
is what can be so powerful in our healing journey. And so what I've celebrated and lost my shit celebrating <laughs> is like, this, this sounds so weird, but like when they are in that grief stage, I'm celebrating internally. Like this mm-hmm. is part of their process. This is so yeah. amazing that they are able to access that grief and, and that anger too. So like celebrating anger, because as people pleasers and perfectionists, something that is really hard for us is feeling anger. And, yes. and accessing our emotions and feeling those uncomfortable feelings. So a lot of celebrating when my clients feel anger and yep. when they feel grief, because that is an indication of progress. But then also, I think what I can celebrate more explicitly with them is like when they are able to step into some of their passions and mm-hmm. like you're saying, figure out what it is that really brings them light and joy in life. And, you know, whether it be doing yoga and taking yoga classes, or it can be as as simple as setting aside an hour of their week for themselves to take a walk with a friend, just celebrating those wins where they're taking back their power. They're taking back time for themselves. They are growing into and stepping into who they are without Mm -hmm. that guilt. And then I think lastly is, you know, when, when I see them owning their peace which can look so differently for so many people, but mm-hmm. when they're not afraid, when they're unapologetically making decisions for themselves <laughs> yeah. without feeling guilty, without worrying about what other people think, what other people are saying, oh my gosh, those are, and I'm trying to think of a specific example right now, but, oh, I, I guess one example I can give is like, you know, maybe not giving 100% at work like not having to give their A game all the time. Like you don't have to be perfect all the time. You can give your B game and that's okay. Right. And so we can celebrate that. Like, yes, you made an active choice to not be perfect. We're going to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. I have to, well, first of all, yes, like hands in the air, like, woohoo, <laughs> you know, I'm one of the woohoo girls right now. <laughs> And I want to share with you one of the times that I made a choice and I would love to hear one of the times you made a choice. Oh, okay. Um, So in grad school, I was a nut job. Okay. Like total nut job. (laughs) (laughs) How so? Oh my God. So I have OCD. So I have anxiety and it shows up as OCD and um, like germaphobe. And so I was always concerned that I was going to be sick and not be able to get to a class. Right. Okay. So that was a whole nother, you know, another window of Vicky. We don't need to get into, but the long and the short of it <laughs> <Okay>. is <laughs> I was at everything, right. Do, 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 do. I'm here. I'm, you know, giving it my all. And the last, so my internship class, right. Last class. And I had to drive like 45 minutes, sometimes an hour in Atlanta traffic to get to school. Right. Ooh. So I remember they were like, hey, so in our last class, why don't we just go get pizza, right? So it was like, I didn't want to do that. And at the time, I mean, this was like 1999, honestly. So like there was very little like just popping, you know, a text to your professor or whatever. I called my professor and I said, hey, I'm going to miss out on this last class because Honestly, I just, I just don't think I can drive up there just to go to dinner. And she was like, I feel like I want to give you an A because of that. <laughs> she was like, no, you do not have to be here. You have already finished every requirement you have 
this was a celebration. It's not like we're saying like, oh, we're not going to miss you if you don't show up. But she was like, and I specifically remember this conversation because she was like, I am so proud of you for, for missing a class. And it wasn't even a vital class. It was like the last class that I could ever attend. And I decided not to do it. And that's amazing. Yeah, that was a choice. It was like, I didn't realize the celebration in that at the time, but what was one of your celebrations? Good for you. (laughs) I love that. Good for you. I think one of the most powerful tools that I learned later in my life, mm-hmm. you know, as a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist is being able to say no to going to like a party or a social event without explaining myself. I was yes. notorious for coming up with excuses. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. And I would make up an excuse because I didn't want to make the other person, whoever it was, feel bad. But when I learned that I could simply just say, I can't make it. Have a great time though. (laughs) And I didn't have to say, I can't make it because, you know, my dog's sick and I, I, now I have to go take care of it. And oh my gosh, well, you know, that means that I also have to call up my mom at 3 PM. And so that's going to take 30 minutes and then I won't be able to make it 35. And, you know, go into this long explanation. I could Mm -hmm. simply just say, sorry, I can't make it today. Yes. That blew my mind. (laughs) It blew my mind. (laughs) And I realized people don't care. I know. Following up and asking, well, why can't you make it? And if I don't want to go, I can just say, I cannot make it. And that's it. And leave it at that. It is so simple and so powerful, but I, Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And a a lot of my clients don't know that these are tools in our tool belts and that we don't have to, life doesn't have to be a constant string of twisting ourselves into different types of pretzels. Um, so that, that would be my, my woohoo moment. (laughs) I'm woohooing with you. Yes. Like that is, it is a freedom that I don't believe you can tell someone about. I believe that they really do need to experience it from the inside out when they don't get caught on some kind of hook that they normally have been caught on. It is, I really feel like it just is like a buoy inside and we're just like, oh, look, I'm floating now. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel heavy anymore. Um, yeah, it's amazing. A true celebration, yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap up and tell us all the things, which will also be in the show notes, but tell us all the things people are like, I got to get in touch with this person, you know, to do some (laughs) one-on-one work. How do they find you and all the good stuff? Yeah, so I am on Instagram, Taylor Damiani Coaching, and I also have a Facebook page called Healing as Adult Children of Narcissistic Parents. I do do one-on-one coaching, but I, my main program is a group. I run a group for adult children of narcissistic parents. It's an eight-week group. We talk about all these things that we mentioned today, how to move through people-pleasing, perfectionism, codependency, how to find ourselves again. Mm-hmm. How do we find out who, who we are after a lifetime of conditioning of not knowing how do we rebuild? How do we rebirth ourselves into this, Mm -hmm. into this, who we want to be? And we do that in community, which is, I think, in my opinion, one of the best parts about it, because I believe group allows us to heal in community with more accountability and more validation 
than individual work alone. Individual work is great. Don't get me wrong. I mm-hmm. absolutely love it. And I think group can be so powerful too. So yeah, if you're looking to join a group or you're you're curious to connect with other people who have had a similar experience, then you can you can hit me up for that. Cool. Well, I'm just glad to have some more time with you. And I hey, just enjoy enjoy your energy and I am excited to continue to see where things are going. And it's too bad that I probably needed that eight-week course. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 20-ish years ago. Oh man, me too, um, me too. (laughs) Yes, yes, we do offer things to people that we needed ourselves. So anyway, thank you. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Vicki. Happy to connect. Thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so glad we connected. Yes, good stuff. All right, pleasers, peace out. And I will see you, talk to you soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If this has been helpful for you, I'd so appreciate it if you could take a moment and just rate and review, and then others might be able to find us more easily. And please also share with friends that could use this information too. Okay, thanks again, and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Take care.